listening to the Brandon Podcast with Brandon Jones. You can find out more about me at Brandon Jones Radio on Facebook and Instagram. Or follow the band at BrandonJonesBand.com on Facebook and Instagram. What's Brandon anyway? Ladies and gentlemen, now the host of your show, Brandon Jones. Hey, it's Brandon Jones. Welcome to the to the Brandon Podcast. The cool thing is today is I have a special guest with me. You don't just have to sit and listen to me talk and ramble about weird things. I have a awesome author, and he has a book out. And Alan Moss is sitting here with me. Your book is The Whisperer, The Kind Whisperer, The Kind Whisperer. Now I'm intrigued. So we were talking a little bit before we started. It's about the Black Hills. So we're from, the, or I am born and raised here in the Black Hills. And uh, my some of my family, I think my dad was born over north up here. And then they moved here to the Black Hills area. My mom was born and raised here. But her family's, I think like her her mom is like from Minnesota, but has lived here since she was a, 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 a young lady. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I've, I've been here for a while. But you're telling me stories like I've never even heard. And this is so cool. So let's open that. Let's open it up. Well, I, I, you know, that's the exciting thing about it is it, it, we all kind of should know where we came from in a way. Mm -hmm. And and also it intrigues you to where you're going. Yeah. And and when you get out here, the the Black Hills is intriguing to everybody because there's so much out here and so much that's hidden. It's, it's amazing the amount of people I, I run into that basically like you have lived their entire life here in the Black Hills. And you can name probably 10 different places, and they'll be like, I've never heard of it. Yeah. No. Uh -uh. And you throw out some history to them, and they're like, that happened here? Yeah. Like, yeah it's wild. It did. But, yeah, as far as coming across, uh, uh, you know, I often look back and go, it would have been so cool if you were the first one walking across here and go, yeah. You know, I want I want that place. It's or, crazy, and and we go back to even like the the Native Americans. My wife is is Native American. She's uh, Lakota, and uh, and and it, and some of her relatives and stuff like that. Talking with them and and their culture, and sometimes I'm a little bit envious of that. And I think I'm envious of of the Lakota culture or the Native American culture. I think because of with with my own gen, with my own history when we go through that genealogy and trace that back at, for me it just seems kind of confusing and, and far away you know you know cuz we're talking about places I'll probably never go to or it's hard for me to reach you know but for them talking about their stuff it's like it's like here or it's this area it seems you know so it it seems so like now like we could walk over and look at it or you don't know. So I think that that's what makes me a little envious of it. it's like, wow, we're talking about stuff that happened in, in this area. These, the, you know, the prairie, the, the black Hills, that stuff. And everything's really young. If you look at history, as far as this area, I mean, even people being out here, yeah. you know, if you look back into Europe and you look back into, you know, how far back that history has been dated, you know, just go back to the Romans or something. I mean, there was nothing really going on around here there was things that were happening nothing really recorded too much oh. but you know so it's relatively young about the things we have going on here and that's what's always amazing about how we how little we know about that yeah and then when you start diving deeper into it even like you're saying with your heritage i mean how much of that do you really know and how much of that are you do you want to learn yeah 
Well, and that's true. My my oldest brother and his wife have really done a lot of the studies in the genealogy. They would sit here and be able to talk in length about it. I'm more like, man, that that's like I just said, that seems so far-fetched. It's not, but to me it's like, you know, I don't – I don't even know. Like, it just seems so crazy far away and where, you know, this stuff is here. But let's get into your book. So there's there's a stone. There's something inside your book that, well, first of all, let's even back it up further than that. You, how did, are you from here? When, how did you move here? What All of that. Well, I, I grew up in eastern South Dakota on a farm outside of Madison. Um, and... I guess I always say that I'm kind of the black sheep that left the farm. Mm-hmm. When I graduated from South Dakota State, I came out here and was hired as a forest tech out at uh, at Pope and Talbot, which what, uh, is, like what this, is that Pope and what? Pope and Talbot was a, well now it's um, Nyman Sawmills, oh. uh, and it's on the you know it's a place that you can smell when you go into spearfish because yes. that you know the pine smell is coming from the logging operation and mm-hmm. and that's what I started and that's how I got to know the Black Hills and I got to really be intrigued about the history. Um, I would even go into I had a, a, a device that I could actually bore into the trees to date the trees, oh, wow. and I would go out on these tailing piles of these old mines, and I'd bore that tree and and find out how old it was. And then I kind of knew how old the mine was for, based on the, you know, because it maybe took, you know, if a tree was 80 years old, it maybe took, uh, you know, five, six years for it to start growing. So 85 years or so was mm-hmm. the when the mine was dug at, you know, when yeah. they started digging it. So I would go into these mines, and then afterwards I'd kind of be curious about who owned it and what, you know, what happened there. And a lot of times I'd get that answer from the from the landowners or from whatever job we were on. And then kind of in my off time, I would maybe go back and explore some of those areas and pick up little tidbits of information. And the one that kind of really got me going on this was when I was uh, I was on, on a piece of land that, that I didn't know at the time was also um, a section of where Custer came through in 1874. Oh, wow. Um, and he said, you know, there's, there's Custer blaze trees out there. And, I'm like, and you're like, what does that what, mean? What, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he goes, you know, when Custer came through here, uh, at that time I really hadn't even thought about that. And he said, yeah, he came through here, and, and you know, he came through here with over a thousand men, a hundred wow. wagons, and, a, and his own band. <laughs> a, and they were the first ones to explore in detail the Black Hills. Huh. And so when he talked about these blaze trees, I, I, you know, started asking where they're at, and we went out onto the onto the land and he started showing me these what looks like uh like something fell against a tree and cut it hmm. and it's about at the height of someone riding a horse uh-huh. and they would take these axes these little axes and they would cut a chunk out of the tree really and that's what they would use for guidance for the what they called the pilgrims or the trailblazers that would come in and make the trail so they could get these wagons through Oh, and so there were spots where I could see wagon wheel ruts, and they're still out there. Wow! Because if you have a hundred wagons going over one spot, right, you're going to start to get the ruts in there. Yeah, and it, to see some of the areas they had to cross, I mean, it, you would—it's amazing, and especially when they're covering covering at least twenty-two miles a day. Well, and I suppose like now we would say, well, that's crazy. Why wouldn't they go over here? Well, they didn't know. They didn't know. I they mean, because no you're saying 22 miles a day. Well, 
well, 22 miles a day, they don't know what's 10 miles that way or five miles no. that way. That's that's half a day. So, I mean, just, just to give you an example, when they were coming up, uh, which is basically Nemo Road, uh-huh. they got to this point where Norris Peak Road meets Nemo Road. Mm-hmm. That was actually where the second baseball game was played in the hills right there. Really? In that corner. And they needed to figure out how to get out of that canyon. And if you're ever on Nemo Road and you know that you, you keep on going – and it cuts up through this little cut in the, but they didn't, they couldn't go that way because that was a whole mountainside. Yeah. So they went through what is called Custer Gap. And if you're, if you look across the road from where Norris Peak Road is, you'll see this gap in the rocks. Yeah. And that's where they went through to and get it's up that Custer way. Custer Gap. Called Custer Gap. For that reason. Wild. That's just crazy. That's wild. I, there's tons of hiking trails and just beautiful areas to go and explore in the hills that as uh, as far as we know at this point has not been trampled down or or ran over you know what i mean uh it's either private or owned by the by the forest service or something yeah and, you know? and perfect example i just took my nephew for a hike uh up to the community caves up by spearfish and mm-hmm. and there's really no trail going to that and yeah and uh, you know it's just a fascinating place to go but you know you know back to you know what what kind of inspired me to do this is a whole it goes all the way back to my high school days when we were forced to read a book yeah and yeah. we were you know had to read lord grizzly which oh, yeah. is a book by frederick manford who I was lucky enough to college actually go listen to. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he, he was at the college and um, put on a little seminar, and and it was just really interesting to hear him talk about Lord Grizzly, which, you know, most people, if they haven't read it, you've, uh, you know, heard the, about the movie. Yeah. Uh, the Reverend, that, that's an outtake of the, of the book, Lord Grizzly. Wow. But... Um, if you've ever had a chance to read what he had, and he inspired me to do things in the book, like take these trails and actually, because he, he walked where Hugh Glass crawled when he was mauled by the grizzly. Yeah. He actually walked that, so he described a lot of that area along the along the river where Hugh Glass had crawled all mauled by the grizzly. Hmm. And those visions, when you read the book, actually come to life, and that's what kind of made me want to go so i've actually covered most of custer's trail through the hills that's crazy and because it, you were like no but i, I want to see this yeah, i want to see, see it for my own my own eyes yeah so i've seen where he cut where his name is in uh, in stone where he carved it in the stone up on top of indian Kara and then down by custer wow and i've seen many of the well the grave sites one of the grave sites is up by my place which is on nemo road um and the, a lot of people have no idea what that flag is for there's an american flag with a little gate around it and a stone yeah and that's one of the guys from custer's his uh, uh james um james king lieutenant or uh, private james king that was that died of dysentery and that's where they buried him up there Jeez, wow and, and the boy scouts still take care of that gravesite. that's cool that's wild now so so you did all of that stuff is there more i mean at what point did it get to where you started thinking okay I got to start writing a book or I got to start putting like, where was there more to, you know, more to it? Yeah. So having this knowledge about not only Custer and now the Thornstone, 
I needed to, and, and knowing about the mining and about the, the well, not so much the mining, but just the gold rush and the, and the ability to understand what possesses uh, a person to, you know, pretty much drop everything in their life to come yeah. look for gold. Yeah. Um, you know, all, with all that kind of going on, I started wondering if there is some kind of a story I can put together with this. And I never really kind of uh, explained it very well until I had uh, another interview with a with a newspaper, and he, the guy who was interviewing me says, "Well, you kind of got like a Forrest Gump story going here." Huh. And I really never put that together until he said that, and it is kind of true. I mean, I have my one character is fictional, uh-huh. and then he ties all these historic things together. Wow. And so that's kind of how I started figuring out how I was going to put all this stuff together and mm. put it in a story form that was very easy to read. And I use my brothers as an example because yeah. they won't read anything that's yeah. not too yeah. easy. Yeah, you know, no, I feel that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say they, they wouldn't, they might have a tractor manual that they might look yep. through, yep. but that's about it. I'm with your brothers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm with your brothers. Or book on tape. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah well, that's the, <laughs> next, that's the yeah. next step here. Mm. We, we got to we'll get figure that. that out. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. Well, so, uh, so you start hearing all these different stories and, and things going on. And you piece them together. You build this character. What What are some of the stories? I mean, what what like? Tell me more. Well, like I started way back in 1830, um, just trying to find out if some of these characters that are on the stone, on the Thone Stone. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give too much away, but there's what, characters on the. So so hold on, Thone Stone. What? How do you spell that again? T H O E N. T-H-O-E-N. So if anybody wanted to Google it, because yep. we can. It'll come up. It'll come up, and they, could, see they the can stone. kind of visualize it if they're listening to yep. this. They can kind of see what we're talking about. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's fine. I, I, that's, that's exactly what, what intrigued me. And then when I went to see it at the at the Adams Museum, I'm like, this is really cool. Wow, yeah. And then why didn't somebody really kind of push this? And that's when I started doing some research on that. And yes, there was people that pushed this agenda. So when about what year was this though? When you first seen that Thone Stone, or like when you seen it at the Adam Museum? What in your life? What year was this? If if you don't mind me asking. Well, like we talked probably in the early like two thousand one, maybe. Okay, so early two thousands ish, yeah, kind of thing. You seen it? Cool. Okay, I'm just in my mind. Trying yeah, to, like, and I'm trying. To, I'm yeah. trying to figure out if that yeah. was actually true or not. I mean, well, I, okay, but even if it's even if you're five ish years yeah, off, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. You know, but still, the early two thousands, maybe even late nineties, even. Uh, but you, you see that, and then you're like, oh, cool, hold on, you, you're hearing all these stories and stuff. Okay, sorry to keep interrupting. No, no, you, but, no, that's okay. fine. I mean, that's that's how we educate, and uh, I wanted some way to educate uh, people on history. I, I I mentioned it in my book, but one of my you know inspirations on this, uh, well, throughout my life as far as history is concerned, I, my uncle was my history teacher in eighth grade. Oh wow! And uh, Uncle Pete, he didn't want to disappoint Uncle Pete, so I tried yeah. extra hard to make sure that I didn't yeah. didn't fail his class or at least yeah. know what the questions were. I feel were. that I've got some great uncles. That, <laughs> yep, I get that. Yep. And and so knowing that, I, I kind of started absorbing this history and, and understanding that there was a lot of things that that I didn't know happened because of whatever reason, and that's what kind of intrigued me about finding out more about this stuff. When when I was out walking, you know, the forest, you find stuff 
you see yeah. stuff, you wonder how it got there, and yeah. and then that's kind of how I st- started studying it. Like what kind of stuff? You talking like arrowheads? You talking yeah, yeah pans, uh, little old cabins, yeah. um, you know, even even old like rusted um, tin cans or um, you know finding different tools that were broken. Um, you know, even little tiny little cabins that people just built out of the side of a hill Man. or something. Yeah. When I was a little kid, you're not going to like this. Um, when I, when I was a little kid, we used to go up, uh, uh, getting firewood up off of Nemo road or I, we'd go past Nemo. It might be Vinocker Canyon, to be honest. I'm not sure exactly where we were, but up in that area and, uh, we would, we'd be up there somewhere and my dad would let me, my friend, or or maybe me, and my cousin, just you know, we'd be off hiking around while he's cutting firewood. Usually, either by himself or I had some older brothers too. And we'd be off hiking around. We'd be shooting. We had a little couple twenty twos or a BB gun or something. You know, we're just walking around. And and I remember for the longest time we'd always walk over to this old cabin that was, I don't know how old it was, but I mean it was like half of it was kind of falling down. And but it was wild because there was like old i'm trying to think gosh i was young like i under 10 you know what i mean like eight ish 10 ish maybe there was like old ketchup bottles and like old and i used to like never like try to break them or nothing like that i would never shoot at the cabin um but like squirrels and birds and stuff were like never safe around us but like but things like that but i remember one time i took a buddy with me and he was like, dude, let's shoot that ketchup bottle. And I was like, no, no, no. And he did anyway. And it was really cool. It was. It exploded and it was cool. But at the same token, I can remember like thinking even at the time, like as cool as it was, I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know. I, I, cause I, did I just in, ruin history? <laughs> I, I don't know because I didn't know. It, I, it didn't look that old because to be honest, it just looked like a like a Heinz 57 ketchup bottle. I don't know how long they've been along, you know, around. But, you know, we're talking, hmm uh late mid 90s late 90s kind of thing but i'm like it ain't my ketchup bottle that's what i kept thinking yeah. you know what i mean i don't want to blow it up i don't know whose it is and uh uh but now talking to you it's like ugh, i really was blowing up history probably not because like i said it was like i think it was like a heinz 57 ketchup bottle glass but still and even still we're blowing up a glass bottle out in the middle of the woods but anyway you know little kids but I just remember thinking how cool that cabin was. And to be honest, I don't even know if I could find it uh, uh, to this day. Maybe. Gosh darn, I don't know. Well, now, you got, now you got a weekend adventure. No, I might have to go look. But, yeah, yeah, anyways, go ahead. Well, I guess kind of going back to what I was saying, I went back as far as, you know, 1830, um, looking at different ways. So on the stone, there's the seven characters that are on there okay and i took those names and i started looking for any evidence of them through that period of 1880 uh or 1830 to 1840 some and i just looked up names tried to figure out if there's any any connection and i did find that there was three brothers then their last name was kind and these are names that are on the stone at the adams museum yes yes okay and I found the, the name of the three brothers that, by the name of Kind that left Saxony, Germany in 1830. Huh. And they came on a ship, and the ship, uh, I found the manifest from the ship. Wow. That they came over, and 
that's what kind of really got me rolling on this could be a story because, um, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know why somebody, when they, when they first found it in 1888, it was one of those things like the town knew about it, people knew about it, they kind of debunked it like, hey, this guy is a fake. But if you look at some of the, if you look at the writing and stuff, and this is what I tell people on my tours when we go look at these things, I say, look at the writing on it. And then think about what they're said on there because on the stone, he explains what he's feeling because mm-hmm. he thinks he's going to die. Wow. And so, I mean, what do you do? I mean, if you're going to, if you're sitting up there all alone, mm-hmm. you, your your rest of your party's been just wiped out. Yeah. Are you going to want to leave a legacy of what happened or something like that? And then, yeah. and then why would you put, if, if it was a fake, why would you put seven or six other names on there? Yeah. Uh, it, it just one of those mysteries like if you're going to make something fake you might want to make it easy yeah so but and then again if you want to make it hard but i don't think you would have put a lot of thought into that part of it yeah who knows yeah um it is written in kind of a cursive and i kind of looked at some of that stuff as as far as if these guys came from germany they would have known and this kind family which i did find uh, remnants of the kind family and the, the family was a very well-educated family, mm. um, and and the, the their dad was a doctor, mm. um, which, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I found the right family, but it just all kind of came together. Yeah. And then when I started researching the n- names to find out if I found their names anywhere, I did find out that th- those three brothers, two of them were accounted for. One of them stopped off in Pennsylvania. The other one stopped off in Minnesota. And the third one was never heard from. Hmm. So that kind of got down this path of there's something that could be made out of this. Yeah. How do you spell that kind just, last name? Just K-I-N-D. K-I-N-D. Okay, I didn't. Sometimes, you know, when you get yeah. to names, maybe they spell it different, especially from Germany. Who knows? And but. I'm asked a lot, you know, how did I come up with the kind whisper? And um, it's, it's better if you're on my tours because I can show you exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I it's, it's no secret that the fact that I wanted the the kind name in there. It kind of came together. Yeah. And the other part of this is where I believe they found the gold is uh, in a place that there's a whole lot of aspen. Mm-hmm. And if you stand there it and listen when the wind's blowing, it kind of sounds like a whisper. Yeah. And I kind of took that as Whisper Gulch, and Whisper Gulch is a thing too, but I'm not going to tell you where that's at. Yeah. But uh, so so the, the story behind even getting this uh, started came with trying to figure out who these characters were. Yeah. And then from there, I figured I had a time period I needed to go through to try to figure out how I was going to tie these other historical things together. And having the Custer party come through here in 1874 was a perfect tie-in to understand the things through the hills here, the locations. So I cover all the way from up in North Dakota, from uh, Fort Abraham Lincoln, all the way through down through Custer, and then back up again, um, back up to the top, yeah. which ends up back in in uh, Fort Ham- Abraham Lincoln. Wow, that's just crazy. That's wild. That's a. It, it's crazy to think that you were able to one find the records of of the boat manifest, find out where the brothers checked in and dropped off. It's just crazy. We're talking what eighteen what eighteen thirty? That's crazy. 
Uh, it doesn't. It's obvious that's a long time ago, but not that long ago. No, that's you know? what I mean. Our history is so short when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, even looking at trees that are, that you know have grown in in the Rapid City area, you know, less than two hundred years. And that's so, so wild. Um, you know, you go out to let's just say um, out to the east coast, and you'll find trees that are you know the that dwarf these like an oak tree that's yeah. you know you can't even get your arms around. And, yeah. Well, it is crazy. I've got a, I mean, uh, my daughter, who is 18 years old right now, we planted a tree in the corner of our yard, and she had her first birthday in our in our house uh, that I still live in. And she, so she's 18 now. We planted a cottonless cottonwood that we picked up at Jolly Lane, okay? That jo- that tree grew up, got like a, some weird disease, and we had to cut it down, but it had like a runner coming off of it, and it's grown up now, and it's taller than our house, and it's probably, I don't know, eight or ten inches around maybe or, or so. And uh, it's pretty good size. But to think that, so that's it like had to grow twice almost in an 18-year span. And it's a good-sized tree. You know, it really is. It's a good-sized tree in 18 years. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, it takes about eight, uh, roughly 20 years for a, a tree up in the hills would be merchable if it starts from a, uh, you know, from a sapling. Mer- merchable, what do you mean? Meaning they can go in and harvest it for, for lumber. Oh, okay. And, and so, you know, if you're if you're looking at the hills here as far as how many times, and that's a whole other history lesson. Yeah. Because I don't know if you knew this or not, but the, mm-hmm. uh, the Black Hills was case one for timber sales. Oh, really? The very first place in the nation where there was a timber sale that was sold. No. And that was all because of the Homestake Mine. And, and I did, I personally did not know that. I'm sure somebody else did. That's uh, also I that's also that. up up Nemo, uh, just off of Nemo. Wow. Um, case one is up there, and you can tell the old old tree stands that they cut down because um, the the stumps are about oh two foot high or a little bit higher. Yeah. Because at that time they used two people on a saw to cut. Oh yeah. And they couldn't get down any lower. Get lower. Yeah. And then what the tree not, the tree does is it thinks it's still alive and it still pitches up all the, all the pitch into the tree and that actually petrifies that stump. Wow. So if you go out there and you see these really hardened, um, very That's distinct. Why. I've seen that. Yeah, and those are all trees cut over 100 years ago with a saw. Or if you're deer hunting, you stop and look yeah. through your scope or and your you binoculars and go, yeah. oh, that ain't a deer, and then you keep yeah. moving. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's so wild. So in this book, um, you've created this character. You've chased down uh, all these these people. Did you find – I mean, you don't want to release everything, right, because you want people to get this book. That's sure. ultimately the goal here. And, I mean, uh, I agree. But have you been able to figure out w- what the other people – what, who, what, and what's going on? Well, that's why I leave it hanging a little bit, and that's why everybody's asking me to write another book. Because yeah. uh, there is a kind of a segue for this um, into the mining aspect of things. Um, so that's something that I'm kind of leaving to the readers to find out if yeah. how much more uh, wants to be put into this. But there is there there is a very distinct um, path to do something like that. But this book itself covers a span that is going to intrigue you on 
you know, finding out a little bit more history of mm -hmm. what happened in this area and the, and the, the characters that were out here because we have a lot of characters that are out here. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, even if you've watched the Deadwood series, yeah, a lot of that's pretty accurate. That's wild. I, I actually have it, and and I need to go back and watch it because uh, it, I was busy when that when that show was at, uh, popular. Yeah, still busy as heck. But I uh, but I'm at a point where now I could actually go back and well, if you, you take know. it in, in short spurts, yeah, you know, and exactly. I, and I you know I wasn't totally impressed. I mean, it, it, not to be a prude or anything, but there's just a lot of you know a lot of language in that. Yeah. You're like, ah, you probably could have left that out. I mean, I wonder, was it really like that, or yeah, or I don't. I assume maybe because that's probably why they put it in there, or was that more of like a, a writer's uh, take on it kind of thing? Or well, I guess I he, he, if you really want to go in deep in thought on that, is that you know you find out what how you act towards different people even today, whether you're having a filter or not a filter. Yeah. I mean, if I'm talking to my mom, my filter's on. Yeah, if, yeah it's a thick filter. If, yeah, yeah. if you're talking to your friends, you know, the filter kind of gets taken off. Filtered. Yeah. So you know, shop talk or yeah. not? That's what my dad used yeah. to call it. We can yeah. say these yeah. things in the shop, but we'll, we'll go back inside. <laughs> Keep you better shut your yeah. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Was that true? I, I think they did a lot of research on the, the authenticity of it. Yeah. And you know, and the characters that are in there. Are, are are mostly uh, authentic as far as yeah. they were there and those things that's the cool thing about deadwood you can go up there you watch the series and you go up there and you go oh that's this all happened right here yeah even even now they've they've restored the original place where wild bill was shot now yeah. everybody thinks it was the number 10 it was the number 10 but, but not, not the 10 that's up that's there, there now yeah now they have the chair. They have you know a lot of uh, the number ten itself is a museum, and it's a great yep. place to go hang out and look at stuff. The new place kind of cool as far as understanding. They're trying to push a little bit of the history and and where this all actually happened, and then you can visualize where they have up the street. They say where they they caught uh, Jack Call when he after he shot him, and yep. when you know how far he took off running before they ch chased him down. But you know Deadwood you know has has burned down a couple of times, so. You know, when they started building with brick and, you know, block and stuff, that's when things started kind of changing. changing. And, and now we're back to kind of looking at it historically, and, and you can. You can go up there and you can actually walk those streets. You know, uh, the the Bullock is an amazing place, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's all historically correct with Seth Bullock and Soul Star coming out here and, and first building the hardware store and then ended up, you know, building the, the, the Bullock Hotel. Yeah, and and hearing the stories about the hauntings and all that yeah. kind of stuff, but uh, and as far as characters are concerned, that guy, uh, I don't know, I, I I could almost just come up with a, a book in my head just on uh, that, Seth Bullock, that person right I mean, there. Yeah. Do you know you know he was good friends with Teddy Roosevelt, right? I did not know that myself. Well, here's a cool story then. If you didn't know that, how he met Teddy Roosevelt, he was. Uh, so Seth Bullock was the first sheriff. Okay. He was out tooling around, doing his job, mm -hmm. and he needed to find out, uh, or he had a, a, a criminal list that he was looking at, and the description met this guy that he met up on the Belfouche River. There was a bunch of cowboys, mm -hmm. uh, you know, driving cattle, and, and so he confronted this guy and um, asked him who he was and all this other stuff and tried to, and it ended up being Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, really? 
And it, it's funny because I've heard, I've read part portions where Teddy Roosevelt said, you know, he could look at you and make you feel guilty. Jeez. And if you ever go look at the pictures of Seth Bullock, you, mm-hmm. his big eyebrows and kind of the shady mm-hmm. look, he, he does look like he could make you feel guilty make about you whatever. Feel like you're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, I didn't do yeah. it. I didn't do it. So they became fast friends. Yeah. Seth did a lot of journeys, which another thing I like to tell people is like, can you imagine even today, let's just say you had a bike and, yeah. and you go, you know what? I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. What do I got to take? Yeah, no but, kidding. But to take off on a horse or a train or whatever. Yeah, no, I better go visit my people up in Washington <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever. And so he was part of the, he was actually part of Teddy's Rough Riders. They never did see any action. He went down to the Spanish-American War and they didn't really see any action, but he also had his band of cowboys that he took to the, and you can see the whole picture of him on the wall at the yeah. Bullock. And, and the, so then when Teddy died, uh, Seth wanted to make uh, a tribute to him, so that's when he built the Friendship Tower on the top, uh, behind, uh, you know, up on on the top of Mount Roosevelt. And wow, have you ever been up to that? No, man, you got to get out. I know. I've been I've been all over the hills, but no, I haven't seen stuff like that. I don't. I just so I he don't put know this. Why. He put this. It looks like a medieval castle tower. Yeah, up on top of the hill, and then he had his grave sites for his family put way up high on Mount Moriah so he could look at the tower from his grave site. Wow. That's why you got to go clear up the top of Mount Moriah, Moriah to see Seth Bullock's grave. That's crazy. So these are just a myriad, just a small fraction of stories that are out there. We got to hang out more. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> you got to get out more. Yeah. We, you just got to take him to these cool places. And I'll be like, all right, I'll strap on my hiking shoes. Let's well, go. Well, and that's kind of what uh, kind of got these tours going with Carrie, you know, because I've been to all these places and I've yeah. hiked them and I've seen them and I can tell you where they're at. I mean, even even these characters that are in the book, like one of the characters, is her name's Aunt Sally. She was... Uh-huh. She was a black woman that was the cook for Custer's party. She's the only woman on this party. Wow. And she did all the cooking, and and uh, it, it's kind of funny. There's stories in here about her. And then she's actually buried up above at the Cleopatra Mine, mm. which is above Devil's Bathtub. Oh, really? Which you better have been there. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that yeah, at she, all, that she's – Wow. I mean, how often back then, uh, are we talking a slave situation? or nope. we, No, this is just, she well, was the hired. you know, in a way, you could almost say she was a slave. In a way, she had a handler. Okay. Because this was post. Yeah. Or, uh, I mean. Yeah, I, it was. Because, you know, you, you're looking at, uh, you know, not until 1867. So, 1874, yeah, it was right after that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it kind of was maybe like, "Hey, I that or maybe she's looking for work." Yeah, kind of a thing. Yep. who knows, right? I suppose. Well, I don't her know. her so-called handler actually paid her, but then obviously got a cut out of it too. So, yeah. you know, who hmm. knows the history? But she did end up kind of making a name for herself, you know, as a cook in some of these mines and stuff. Uh, like I said, the Cleopatra Mine was where she kind of ended up. Mm-hmm. But those are just things that you just run across. I mean. Uh, whose graves here? Whose graves there? I mean, I've come across places in the hills where I swear that are yeah. grave sites for people you never know, and and that's the other kind of crazy thing about still not knowing is that there's you know rumors and 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 stories about uh, people that were killed out here, 
you know, in the 1830s or even before and, and after because they didn't want them to go back and tell about the gold. And that's what Custer did is he was supposed to kind of keep it in wraps. But if you have over a thousand men that know that you found gold, yeah. you're probably going to get out. Yep. And so that ended up being the catalyst to get everybody coming. But before that, there was a lot of rumors about the gold out here. Yeah. And if it was flowing right through the streams or coming right out of the grass, it's not going to take long to people to figure nope. it out. But And anybody and everybody come and grab some. Yeah. Oh, and then, then you start thinking about the people, like I said earlier, that just started going, hey, I'm going to drop everything in my life. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to head west, even though they, I've been told that if I go west, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they still came. And, and, they, and they got out here, and a lot of them went completely nuts because they thought, I mean, if you just case in point, if you're ever up at Mount Rushmore and you're going to take the presidential trail and you start walking down that trail and you look off at the rock and you look off at that first rock and you're like, holy crap, that thing's full of gold because mm-hmm. it just shines like it's yeah. got gold in it. So you start chopping so away so, on so, <laughs> These guys come out here and they're like, oh, we are so rich, and yep. they're just busting. And there's <laughs> and nothing. nothing. Wow. Fool's gold. Yeah, and a lot well, of that. Well, and it's crazy because you think about times back then, obviously different than now, obviously. Now, you know, social media, everything, it's like instantly, right? Yep. Here, I'll send you a picture. Look at this. Look at this. They're going on straight somebody mentioning it. Imagine that happening now. Hey, somebody lightly mentioned there's gold. You guys want to head off? You guys want to go? No. Prove it. All you know right. what I mean? Well, let me give you a, let me give you a temptation here then. Okay. So back in the I'd say when they started kind of pulling the gold, we'll just say 1876. Okay. From then until I would say maybe 1890, maybe 1900 early, mm-hmm. they were only pulling 75% of the gold out of the ore because of the extraction method. Wow. Which means in those tailing piles there's still there's still gold yep well looks like there's some work to be done <laughs> looks you like, know <laughs> looks like you're gonna get social media to help you try to find the gold there we go I go back to work i guess yeah that's wild so where can they find out more about you more about your book uh where can they get your book all that stuff well i get i'm trying to get it into more uh local places but you can get it on amazon right now just look up the kind whisper look up my name um i'm working on several other places where you can just kind of pick it up along the way on the tourist routes. Um, yeah. And that, that'll kind of expand as, uh, you know, more tours and more places that I end up. How long has it been out currently? Uh, about a year. About a year now? Yeah. I, I, what I ended up doing is self-public. That was kind of the learning curve. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. My first rodeo, I, I just, I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to nothing i didn't know any of that stuff and i just decided to right. pick and choose and i I'd sent it out the manuscript and i got several publishers that came back to me um it's kind of one of those dog eat dog worlds you know and yeah and uh i learned from after publishing it that i could probably do that and i started looking at the at, you know amazon has its own kindle direct publishing uh section oh wow it's a little bit of a learning curve but once you get to learn it I I ended up just pulling it from my publisher and self-publishing it hmm. um, just because of the amount of money they were taking from, yeah. from it um, just because they knew the path. 
Yeah. But uh, the the Kindle thing, I've been really impressed with. I mean, before even through my publisher, it took like four weeks for me to get books. Mm -hmm. I can order and get within a week. Wow, uh, as many books as I want right That's now. Cool. And they let me, you know, put some more pictures in. They let me edit some things. They let me kind of, and cool. I tell my readers that, uh, you know, there's a few more things that I that added in and nothing that changes the story, but maybe yeah. enhances it a little bit. That's nice. And the pictures and stuff are a little bit more, uh, I guess, expanded. Yeah. Now, if somebody, do you have social media yourself that if, if would you care y yeah, to Yeah, no, share? that that's fine. You can go look up the Kind Whisper on 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 uh, facebook and uh, i can respond i got books so i can uh -huh. you know so if they message I, you on there and be yeah, like hey, yeah man, i want to yeah. buy a book or yeah. I, I would like to get uh, to get a book from you and i'm whatever. planning some book signing events um cool. depending on you know um, matter of fact i'm gonna go wander around now and and, and talk to some stores a little bit about it yeah and, and if there's any anybody that has events that they want me to come to like last week i spoke at the uh uh the history conference up in lead and I'm going to be doing some stuff. One, the other thing that I like doing is I like telling people the stories. So um, I think next month I'm going to be talking at uh, West Hills Village. Um, oh, just cool. kind of doing, a, just finding some time when yeah. people want to come by and listen to what I got to say and talk about history. I love doing that kind of part of it, you know, and and uh, maybe get some more interest in the tour. If you got time and you, you want to go look at these places, just, you know, start asking around some people that have already taken it because, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of places that are really cool. It's almost a day's worth. Uh -huh. It is a full day of me showing you around all these places. Now, now, when you say a tour, what what does a tour involve? Are we talking like we're getting in a bus? Yep. We're cruising around. Yep. You're talking on a speaker or something like that. Yep. Are we getting out and going on a little bit of a trail? Yep. All of it. Or like small trail, like hiking, like a, a mile. Are we talking little like? Well, I always kind of feel out the crowd that's in there, you know, as far as who's, what their limitations Ability. are and, and abilities. And we do do, like, probably the longest one is if we do, if we go up to the uh, Roosevelt Tower, mm -hmm. it's about round trip, maybe a quarter mile okay. to go up and back. And I always tell people, you know, if you don't want to do this, um, you know, if you want to stick around the bus, we'll have some snacks and whatever. And we'll stay be down right here. back. We'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, I take them out and I show them. We kind of start, we start here in Rapid. I kind of tell them the story on the way up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of getting interested in, in thinking about where their mindset is when they start thinking about mm -hmm. the book and what happened with these characters. Give them a little bit of history lesson on the hills a little bit. And then we get up into Deadwood. Um, I take them around to number 10 to uh, where Wild Bill was shot, the Bullock. We we go to the Adams Museum, see the stone. Um give them a the little names all that yep yeah. yep just kind of go through all that so you know and you you could spend an entire day or more in the adams museum just kind of yeah. learning learning about the different things that you never even knew existed yep. up there but then i i take them from there we go down we go to the tower then and then i take them by where preacher smith was killed um we go down to the frolly ranches and then we toured the three different ranches uh the stage barn where and that's a whole nother really cool part of the history when you look at at the Frawley Ranch and how they they evolved, and there's there's a lot of the history actually that came from some of these stories was directly from Hank Frawley, hmm. and you know he's passed away now, but Hank and Molly Frawley were just absolutely salt of the earth people, and they they were you know trying to make it work down there, and they ended up selling it to the resort, and the resort took it from another level, and now you can actually rent these places on the Frawley Ranch 
if you wanted to do a uh, if you wanted to do a stay if you wanted to do a wedding um, and and the the history behind that stage house or what they call the roadhouse now you know is that that was one of the first stage houses in the area and they, they had the first running water and people from Spearfish would go out there to stay because of that and just down the down the road is this is the stage barns where they were I mean a hundred years ago they were like even today they're a, a work of art how big they are and how mm -hmm. they can bring the stages in there and unload them right away um, and then the Anderson Ranch which I was telling you about the barn that stone barn everybody wonders what it is yeah they have I mean this is the innovation of people that, that came out here That's they figured wild. out they had they had the only uh, cold spring well or artesian well that was coming right out of the out of the ground they built a spring house around it and they have a pool in there and they used to put the milk in there until they had enough milk to take it up to deadwood hmm. and they would take it up the milk trail which is right through their back door right through their yeah. back right through the land there and they would go up and sell the milk to to deadwood that's and, crazy and the frowleys figured out they had this pasture land that they could charge because there was really no places to, to to pasture your livestock up by Deadwood. Yeah. So these people bring them down there. They'd watch over it, make Boom. some money that way. It's crazy to think how the Black Hills are. I mean, you got that natural cool, that cold spring, and then you go to the Southern Hills. You got the hot spring. And you got the hot spring. It's yeah. like somebody uh, had it figured out. You know, and, 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 and you could, depending on the time of the year, you could keep yourself cold or warm just by the water yep. you know yep. that's wild well we don't think about any of that kind of stuff anymore it's no. like you know where where's that efficiency what did we have to do we don't care we just pay more money and yeah. buy something else exactly i yeah it's so weird how we as humans are you know when we have natural things i i've that's yeah it's weird but yeah i don't know it's crazy i agree 100 percent. yeah well thank you so much for stopping in uh uh, check you out on social media. So Facebook, it is the Kind Whisperer. They just do a search. Just and the Kind Whisperer, not -er. not Whisperer. No, the Kind Whisperer. Whisper. Okay, sorry. And the Kind Whisperer on Facebook and uh, message Amazon. you, get a hold of you, and Amazon. Yep, message me. I can track you down. I, and uh, and you can get on uh, Black Hills Adventure Tours if you want to look at the Stone Stone Tour. If you want a private tour, we do do some of the. Uh, friends and family tours and I kind of announce those on Facebook and okay. that's kind of fun because it's just like we just take a group of people and we just kind of get together and and uh, head up in the bus and like I said I, I talk on the way up and we do and that that's kind of the more informal one of it the formal one of it if, yeah. you know, and I've had some people that just said hey I want I just want you to show us around and and that's yeah. that's fine too because then we kind of get off into some other stuff too and and, cool. and and like I said I do uh, other tours for Carrie too, just when she needs some some people to to help out, and yeah. it's kind of evolved into something that I kind of enjoy. You know? That's cool because you never know meeting new people. It's fun to educate them on here. They uh -huh. they all come away from never knew this stuff was out here. Yeah, and the biggest thing I get from these people is like, man, we should have planned for more time. We never yep. knew this that's much stuff out here. Yeah, and hopefully you get them coming back for more. And well, that's the old enticement. And yeah. so I hand them a book and said, do your research and come back and we'll talk about See this. See you soon. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. And thank you. we'll talk soon. Everybody yeah. get your book and we'll see you around. Then we can have a discussion on that. That sounds good. All right. Thank you. 
The Brandom Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to The Brandom Podcast. You can always subscribe, follow, and please leave some comments. Also, share it on social media. Tag me in the post. Brandon Jones Radio on Facebook and Instagram. You got something you just got to share with me? Hit me up on my email, Brandon at catradio.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N at K-A-T radio.com. And as always, we're looking for sponsors. Love you. The Brandon Podcast is hosted by Brandon Jones, produced by Mark Houston, engineered by Chris Jaquist, audio and video mastered by Russ Haddon. If you like what you heard, please rate it five stars and leave a comment. 